Profscast with Professor Fensterle and guests. Yeah, welcome to the Profscast. My name is Joe Fensterle. I am Professor of Biotechnology and Bioengineering at the Rhein-Waal University in Kleve. And today my guest is uh, Professor Florian Wichon. Florian, hello and a warm welcome. Yeah, thank you. And uh, nice to um, share this idea with you, having a Profscast, which uh, sounds like a good Name and a good idea, most likely. <laughs> okay. Uh, honestly, uh, my guess, it's not really correct because indeed I'm your guest because this is, this is the lab of Florian Wichern. Florian is also a professor here at the University of Rhein-Waal and I'm a guest in his lab. So, um, Which is a rare occasion. <laughs> in your lab, at least. Yeah. So a very short version of your job description is, I would say, digging in the dirt. Is that yes. correct? That's absolutely correct. As a soil scientist and uh, a person doing research in agriculture, we indeed uh, need to have a look at the basic of every life on Earth um, on the terrestrial system, which is soil. Okay, so and, and this is also what you teach your students. Yeah, I teach in sustainable agriculture mainly and in biological resources on a master's level and the focus is on soil science and plant nutrition as my job description is. So we look at uh, basically the basics of soil science, so the physical and the chemical properties, but especially also the biological properties. That's where our research is focusing on, um, plus the relation of soil to plants, which we eventually want to use in agriculture as human food or animal feed uh, and for other services. And so we better need to better understand how these um, two compartments interact. And that's what we focus on also in the teaching in the different classes on bachelor's and master's level, um, undergraduate, but also graduate level. Okay. By the way, I just realized, and look, looking at your lab code, that um, for the soil scientists, of course, it's a bit a different color than for the yeah, biotechnologists. This, this is actually so this is um, actually a clean lab code uh, for a soil scientist. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to be honest, the I mean, you have found. This, this, this looks like a new lab this code. Is to bio me, yeah? Yeah? So yeah, this, this so is bioengineering. This is science, a very so. simple. This for the viewers, yeah. at least on Spotify, you cannot see it, but for the viewers, uh, you see this is biotechnology, this is soil science. Yeah. You choose at the end. And yeah? as it's I said, um, it's quite. It's quite clean because I do not spend that much time in the lab. I have, of course, my staff members and um, the students are working in the lab. Um, yeah, but still it looks as if I use it frequently. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you're now at the University of Rhein-Waal, as we know now, but uh, you didn't start here. So could you give me a short summary of your uh, scientific career? Yeah, my scientific career started at Kassel University when I started studying organic farming basically with a focus on tropical and subtropical agriculture after uh, spending a year in South Africa where I did some basically um, development aid in the broadest sense. Um, and that's where I got into soil science from the first semester on, especially into soil biology. Um, yeah, in different fields and uh, I did my uh, diploma and my master's there and then spent another year abroad in Australia coming back to Kassel University to then eventually do my PhD in uh, the field of soil biology and plant nutrition, looking at the interaction between plant roots and soil microbes in the soil. Um, and from there, um, I moved on to not doing a postdoc, but spending time in industry. I worked for a fertilizer company for two and a half years in marketing different specialty fertilizers, which of course influence plant growth, but also soil properties. 
Um, and from there, I actually moved on to Kleve. So 10 years ago, um, actually 11 years ago already, um, I started this professorship here at the brand new University of Applied Sciences, Rheinwald in Kleve at that time. And in, indeed, you were also the first dean here at our faculty and built everything up. So yes, physically. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job, Florian. You did a good Thanks job. For I, have that, to, yeah. I have to tell you. I chose uh, some uh, quite good people for the different jobs at some I stage. I think that you were not in my commission. So uh, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, a career, of course, when, when, you were, when you were really a kid, did you already think of becoming a soil scientist and digging in the dirt forever. So this is what childs usually do already. They dig in the dirt and then to conserve that. Or uh, did you plan another career as a, as a kid? Well, I was brought up in the rural areas in a village with more cows and pigs than human beings. And indeed, um, tenfold more earthworms than cows, pigs and human beings together. Um, and of course, I was digging in the dirt. Um, not every day, but most of the time. Um, not intending to become a scientist, not intending to become a teacher, um, but rather being interested in agriculture and environmentalism, um, realizing that there is an interaction between agriculture and environmental health in a negative and positive way. Um, and from the childhood on, we had animals at home, even though not being farmers in, in the true sense. Um, so there was always an interest in doing this. At the same time, um, I was pretty much involved in uh, the work of my family, who was in building and construction. So at some stage, I wanted to become an architect um, to create beautiful houses. Um, to just then realize that um, I'm probably not an artist, um, but rather a person who wants to build and develop things and try to better understand how things work. But on the track of science, I just basically came along the way of studying agriculture after at some stage deciding to get back to agriculture after spending time in construction, after spending time in development work. Yeah, and at the end now, at least in the time now in between the lecture period, you constructed the natural pool, so there is still construction going on. So this is... Um, yeah, yeah, I actually yeah. also <laughs> renovated my own house, so I have two right hands, I would say, um, and that's maybe what also differs between a soil scientist and a bioengineer. So a bioengineer stage. has two left hands. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's you can do the, the <laughs> stuff with the fine pipettes and everything, and that's why I think the cooperation is a very good thing of having experts from different fields um, with different perspectives, people with two right hands who are not very precise sometimes as soil scientists. Well, we hardly use these fine pipettes, but um, then joining up with, with a bioengineer, I think that's a very good idea um, to maybe also use projects um, to do that along with students. Yeah, okay. And, and there, are, there were also in the, already in the past projects where bioengineering students were... Uh, yeah, we do that frequently. Uh, we offer projects um, for all students of the faculty or of the university. Um, and indeed, we had projects with students from, from bioengineering. Um, and at least one ended up in a publication as well. Uh, I think actually two. Yeah, yeah that's not too bad. Not too no. bad. But um, now coming maybe to your, your research area. So honestly, you know, you have your plants and this bacteria interacting. Is that really cool? And the soil is mainly fungi because they dominate the soil microbial biomass in terms of quantity, in terms of activity, and especially in terms of their necromass, so the remainings, mm -hmm. which is extremely important because that contributes to organic matter in the soil, which is the critical fertility parameter in soil. And indeed, we, in agriculture, 
need the soil to produce crops to that plants grow properly and then to feed human beings and, and animals. So it's we, we're interested in this interaction, not only looking at one compartment, but understanding what the role of soil is for the plant, but also what the plant contributes to maintaining fertility of the soil. And the microbes play a very crucial role, as I said, in particular the fungi, which are much more difficult to assess and measure um, as compared to bacteria. Um, which is the second most important uh, component in terms of mass, in terms of um, functions, along with some larger organisms such as earthworms, which are beautiful and you can easily see them, and they have specific functions which are also quite important, contributing to plant growth. So you can see we work at this interface all the time trying to better understand how we can improve soil to improve plant growth again and how that feeds, feeds back onto the whole system. Yeah, that, that you see also that's the difference from a soil scientist to the rest of the world. Earthworms are beautiful. I don't want to say that they're ugly, but my, my, at least my, what is beautiful, I did not have yet earthworms in this collection, but I should have a look again. Yeah, Maybe there are also ugly uh, animals in the soil. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't, don't want to be rude here, I don't mention. Uh. So that I, of Eddie. course, for me, it's a pity now, as I have no idea of fungi. I'm a microbiologist, but always bacteria and sometimes viruses and fungi are way Ikea. too complicated for me. So therefore, now it's, of course, a bit shocking for me that uh, for you, the fungi are more important in terms of biomass, but I think not in terms of uh, cell counts. Cell counts, bacteria dominate. Thank you. Um, but when it comes to functions, it's mm. for many of the major functions, it's especially the fungi. Yeah. And we more and more understand that one, when we want to... Maintain important soil functions such as sequestering carbon in the soil to counteract carbon dioxide emissions. Um, we need fungi more than we need bacteria. Um, and most of our activities in agriculture are rather harmful to a lot of the, uh, the fungi in the soil. The bacteria do not bother that much. They are a bit more dump, I would say, than fungi. Um, but fungi are, of course, more diverse. So it's very difficult to really access them. So that's why we have different tools which we use. Of course, PCR can be used, but uh, you never know if you have the right way of looking at it because you can only target small parts of it. Uh, and we have some, some chemical tools which we use, biochemical tools such as measuring agosterol as a membrane compartment uh, to look at saprotrophic fungi, which is disputable, but at least that's one tool. Yeah, so there are different ways of trying to get access to the fungi. Um, and then we measure the functions, such as carbon dioxide emissions, nitrous oxide emissions, uh, or the nitrification, denitrification pathways in different ways. Um, yeah, so that's how we try to actually target this group of, of fungi and bacteria. Indeed, we also do because we're interested in the whole uh, microbial community um, and its function. Okay, uh, is that... Is that just this, uh, let's say, this textbook knowledge that this fungi form mycorrhiza and that's it, or is it more than that? Mycorrhiza fungi are an important part of, uh, of the soil microbiome in those systems where we have plant interactions, and that's, uh, these, these are the ones we're interested in. Um, and we know that in agricultural systems, because of the intensity of management, including application of fertilizer, tillage of the soil, so mixing the soil, all these means reduce mycorrhization of plants and therefore mycorrhiza abundance is usually declining, even though they seem to play a very important role for carbon sequestration. So their residues seem to be more persistent in the soil than uh, residues of bacteria indeed, but also um, residues of other fungi. But among the symbiotic um, fungi, we of course have um, 
also saprotrophic fungi which feed on the remaining plant residues, the remaining animal and, and microbial residues. These are very important to really get the system going, to get rid of the waste in a way, to recycle nutrients. Um, but we shouldn't forget that we have in the soil a large reservoir also of pathogenic fungi and bacteria, pathogenic for plants, for animals and human beings. These are usually not um, the major focus of our research yet, yeah. but in, in cooperation with our colleague Dirk Bockmüller, we also look at uh, antibiotic-resistant genes in soils, for example, to better understand which agricultural management tools um, contribute to antibiotic-resistant development um, or spread. Okay, but my last way to uh, rescue the bacteria a bit, but at least for nitrogen, bacteria have at least some importance. Uh, Absolutely. Fungi cannot Absolutely. fix nitrogen. No, it's bacteria opinion. have yeah. their have yeah. their play in importance, but they have been the major focus of microbiologists because of the easy access, yeah. Uh, yeah. relatively mm -hmm. easy. Uh, most of the soil bacteria can't be cultivated. Yeah. So we talk about 98% which can't be cultivated. So um, thanks to PCR and stuff, we are now able to also get access to them. And that's easier than for fungi. No, no way. Uh, of course, they, they play an extremely important role for, for some specific processes and especially nitrification, denitrification, along with archaea, which are also under-assessed group of microbes, which is very difficult to access. So that's why a lot of people avoid playing with, with archaea. Yeah, and bacteria seem to be also um, very important in more harsh environments. So when it comes to climate change, but also to, let's say, the harsh environment of agricultural soils, where we human beings have a lot of impact, bacteria seem to better cope with it in a way. Um, there are also other examples, but we, for example, saw recently in a publication, um, or it was a bachelor thesis originally in sustainable agriculture, but then we published it as well in Environmental Pollution, which is quite a good journal. We looked at the effect of microplastics um, and polyethylene and polypropylene on microbial processes in the soil. And we looked at fungi and bacterial communities as well. And we, we realized that the biomass is reduced by microplastic addition. And this is most likely not a toxicity effect only, but changing also the habitat um, and, and the structure of the soil. Um, and fungi were more strongly affected than bacteria. So bacteria obviously may, can, in a way, somehow cope with it. And there's evidence that there are bacteria found which can degrade polyethylene. There are bacteria found which can degrade polypropylene. So that's something um, we also want to have a closer look at in future to better understand this. And it's a hot topic, microplastics. Uh, is everywhere and research for microplastics in soil is very scarce. There are more reviews on microplastics in soil than actually primary research, which is strange. But, okay, yeah. so you started with the papers and you have a couple of papers. Um, let's say nutrient flow, even flow. And if I, I look at your publication list, sometimes it's, it looks like a songbook, to be honest, because there are sometimes, at yeah. least you find in the title, if you look closely, some hints with respect to some famous bands, which the younger viewer might not even even more know anymore, but nevertheless. And to be honest, um, Florian is uh, the god of the guitar here. He's a very good guitar player. I would rank it um, uh, right next to Tom Morello or so. Really, really excellent guitar player. And I always wonder why you're not a rock star uh, earning way more money uh, with your with your talent in guitar and the best looking professor here. So therefore, well... Um, I'm better at using the spade uh, than using the guitar. So okay. that's, that's, the, <laughs> yes. that's the reason. Okay. Yeah. Um, coming back to your publication. So uh, you have a, well, a good uh, amount of publications already. But if you would pick out 
one publication, what you love most, what you think is the most best impact, or for whatever reason, what would you say is your favorite publication? The one I mentioned recently, and which we published just recently, um, is at the moment the one which I favor the most because of the response we received during the review process and thereafter, um, which we didn't expect. It was a bachelor thesis where a student came up to me and said, ah, I'm interested in learning about microplastics. And I thought, okay, this is a hot topic. Yes, we can do something. Um, and she designed a little experiment in cooperation with my staff members. Uh, so we did this experiment, so incubated soil with microplastics in our labs and then analyzed the different properties and to look at functions um, of the microbes, the community. And these findings were quite interesting because there was hardly any evidence from the literature that you can observe a reduction of the microbial biomass while maintaining the major functions such as carbon dioxide emissions as respiration indicator or, or nitrification. So the microbial community was obviously still maintaining a certain function but reduced in size and reducing the size of the microbial biomass in the soil is something farmers work heavily on and, and try that and usually take some time to really get them down so microplastics seem to have a quite a severe effect and the review showed that the reviewers were pretty happy um, of course we had to do a revision that's normal um, but they were very positive and said this is one of the missing links. We need more of this research. Um, and that's why I think now we will continue with it. Um, and it will have a certain impact. Just published now, uh, already a lot of um, clicks to the publication, uh, a lot of feedback and, and questions to it. Um, so that's at the moment a hot topic. In terms of my whole career, we published two papers to review papers where we looked at the contribution of fungi and bacteria in the microbial biomass as a whole to soil organic matter uh, and the role of the non-active microbes in the soil because a lot of microbiologists always believe bacteria grow fast, die and then the next lot grows up which you maybe know from, from, from lab exercise but in the soil it's a different story, it's absolutely substrate limiting um, there's hardly any, any food, you have quite harsh environments and you have surfaces in the soil which strongly absorb the organisms. So they can't swim, they can't move really, especially not the bacteria, the fungi can grow the hyphae uh, and they, they lack food and often also water temporarily mm. or oxygen. So we have a lot of changes um, and that's where um, yeah, the understanding of soil science is important to understand how microbes behave in the soil. And we published two um, reviews on that uh, to clarify the view of a soil scientist on, let's say, the functionality. And these are most likely the most influential papers. And one which I, and that's a nice um, motivation for pupils and, and students, um, I published a paper with my sister when she was still at high school. She did a little experiment in our lab at that time. I was a PhD student at Kassel University. And we investigated the effect of salt, so salinity, on microbial communities and processes. And again, this was unexpected. Just a little experiment in the context of Jugendforscht um, and was quite nice working with a small sister and then with my former boss. And yeah, in the end, the results looked like very interesting responses of different soils in terms of their resilience and resistance to salt stress, which is a severe stress to microbes. That's why we use it in cheese making and so mm -hmm. on. And we published this not knowing that it would be the most influential paper I ever published as a primary paper. So up to now, uh, it has been cited quite a lot and, and salinity is the pressing issue in soil science. 
uh, in soil microbiology, and that is most likely the most influential paper. I, I'm known for salinity effects in microbes, so that's one of the topics we deal with. Okay, Florian, but I have to tell you one thing. Usually you say I am talking too much, and I ask you for one paper, we are at four. But it's, it's fine, it's fine, Sorry. it's, it's yeah. um, no problem. So as we stand in your lab and we, we stand next to such a, a beautiful machine, what, what are the methods you usually apply in your, in your work? Uh, oh, that's, that's a broad range. Maybe we have another hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know that uh, I have a day later on. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, ha we usually work at different levels and looking at nutrient flows. So that's mm -hmm. the overarching topic. So we try to assess biomasses, nutrient flows on a regional scale. So for the district of Kleve, we currently um, estimate the nutrient flows in terms of nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, partly carbon to better understand where there are inefficiencies. We have some issues with nitrate in the groundwater, with phosphorus in surface water bodies, and we try to better understand which role does agriculture play, wastewater treatment, and so on. Um, that's basically statistics which we use in different simulation tools. And then when it comes to the lower level where we look at flows on, let's say, the agricultural level, in on field level and farm level, um, we go out with a spade and collect samples. So we dig out the soil, we dig out the plants, and then we analyze them in our lab using different tools. In, uh, in chemistry, we basically extract the soil and then have a, a water solution or salty solution where we measure different nutrients, inorganic compounds, but we may also measure organic compounds, organic acids or somewhat. Um, sometimes we directly extract the soil with alkaline solutions or acid solutions to look at specific components such as ergosterol as a membrane compartment of fungi, for example. Um, and we also use qPCR to extract um, the DNA from the soil to then quantify bacteria, fungi, archaea, or look into the microbiome in, in more detail. Um, as we look at it quantitatively, we often uh, stick to looking at bacteria, fungi, um, and archaea as the major dominating groups. Um, and what we recently started with is looking at the um, ionome of the microbial community in the soil. So the elemental composition of the organisms, because there is a link between what you eat and how efficient you use this feed source or food source. And we assume that this is also the case according to Liebig. We know it for plants, but according to Redfield, we may also consider, can consider it in parts for bacteria and fungi. Maybe more for bacteria than for fungi, because there we see quite a variability. So we extract the microbial community and measure the element composition of these microbes. And that's where we use the ICP-OES to basically measure yeah, a range of elements, especially trace elements, secondary elements such as sulfur, magnesium, but also manganese, iron, molybdenum, vanadium, where we know that there are specific functions um, in certain groups of bacteria and fungi. Okay, so that's what, what you do, but of course the field is large, so there will be also other researchers uh, in the field. What do you think, what is the, the hot topic in the field currently? So you talked about microplastics, but are there... Yeah, microplastics for sure is the hot topic in, in soil science at the moment. There is a large group working on it in Bayreuth. Uh, there's a very good group working on it in, in Berlin, partly in Bonn. So we have very good soil scientists in Germany compared to the, let's say, global community. The soil science community is on an extremely high level in, in Germany. So we're very reputed scientists. And next to this, in, in the, let's say, my field where we look at the interaction between plants and soils, uh, the whole rhizosphere research is the hot topic. So to better understand the spatiotemporal dynamics of roots in the soil and their interaction with abiotic and biotic factors 
especially um, interaction with bacteria and fungi. And we're not talking about um, mycorrhiza and rhizobacteria only, which is quite well investigated, even though in reality it doesn't always work. Yeah? So there's a lot of evidence that mycorrhiza does not work a lot in agricultural systems. Now, but looking at a lot of the quantitative interactions, better understanding the also the genetic responses of plants to certain abiotic changes or biotic changes, and then trying to develop tools to quantify it. I think that's currently one of the hot topics. Could this better understanding also help agriculture somehow? Or Yeah, absolutely. In the context of the changing environmental conditions, Due to climate change, we have a third year in the row now a drought at the Lower Rhine, which is devastating in some parts of the Lower Rhine. We need plants who can better cope uh, with smaller water availabilities, so become more efficient in using water. Along with the large surplus of nutrients which we have in certain areas um, of intensive agriculture, like also here at the Lower Rhine, um, we have to find ways how the system, but also plants themselves in the interaction with soil, become more efficient in making use of the nutrients. So producing more biomass per unit of nutrient that is added, uh, so as fertilizer. Um, and that's where the rhizosphere plays a very crucial role. The interaction of the root in space and time with the soil properties, chemical, physical um, and biological properties. And then in the end, the farmer will create, let's say, a good income. Um, with lower input at best, having comparable yields, but lower environmental burden. Okay, that sounds really good. <laughs> um, now, th this is your field. If you, if you think a bit broader, the field of biology, in your personal opinion, what fascinates you most at present there? Well, agriculture is a very holistic approach to not only biology, but... Um, to anthropology, so to the behavior of human being in an environment, and the human being is part of biology. Um, but as I'm a soil scientist, plant nutritionist, I always have a stronger background in natural sciences, even though knowing that in agriculture, often economics, social science, psychology play a more important role than, let's say, just the natural science. Um, but from a natural science point of view, I think the whole system's biology understanding, which then also locks onto agriculture much more. Using the potential of artificial intelligence, I think, is the hot topic in future. So how to deal with this massive amount of data which we generate when sequencing uh, DNA from soil or any other source. Um, I think there we need to develop and we need tools how to make use of it and not in the end say, it's beautiful, it's diverse, but we don't know what it means. Okay. Yeah, to yeah. link that to the function, that's where systems and biology, I think, come into play using also uh, modern tools of artificial intelligence, but also other devices which can support it. So in other words, the, the output of the experimental system have been intensified enormously, and now we need to uh, wrap up with the methods uh, to analyze them. Exactly. We have to wrap up with methods to analyze it, but we have to be at the same time very critical in what we actually measure and assess. Um, so for PCR, qPCR DNA extraction, as a soil scientist and farmer, I pretty well know some of the limitations this has with the experience we now have in our lab and what this means for interpretation. Um, and there we have to be more critical. Yeah? So most data we have is on bacteria. As I said, fungi play an important role, but it's difficult to access them. So we shouldn't over-interpret uh, over these data we get and 
having, let's say, artificial intelligence and modeling and um, in the context of systems biology, we also need people who can ground truth it. People that know how to use a pipette, people that know how to use a spade to really prove that it's true. Yeah, so we need to link it back. Otherwise, we're at some stage just modeling and maybe doing some remote sensing, um, but it doesn't say anything about reality. Yeah, so I think that's, that's a very crucial part. That's why it's so important to learn the hard skills at the beginning to then move on to, let's say, using the new technology. So every student in your courses starts with digging in the dirt and then he starts with the method. Yeah, digging in the dirt and then at the same time trying to learn how to use R, which allows you a lot of possibilities in, let's say, um, the modern era of data analyses. I know that now it's kind of a rhetorical question because I see that you have fun in your area. But would you go again there in this area? If you could restart now, would you go again becoming a soil scientist or would you say? Yeah, I would probably in parallel uh, to a f an agricultural uh, study program also choose a biology or chemistry um, program if I w would have known that I would end up as a, let's say, analytical soil scientist, plant nutritionist, because in agriculture, you not only focus on the natural science, but on the social science, on the economics, on the technologies you use. So learning about how to drive and how a tractor works. Um, so there's not the same depth of knowledge which you generate on chemistry, on, on biology, on methods, analytics in, sp in particular. So looking back, That is something I had to learn on the fly during the PhD um, and thereafter. Um, and that's why, as let's say, soil scientists with an agricultural background, we love to hook up with people who have, let's say, the classical knowledge in bioengineering or in biology, where they learned a lot about, let's say, the analytical procedures, the chemistry behind it, the physics behind it. Um, we can connect it to the real world in agriculture then, which often is a problem for some people having, let's say, a more disciplinary approach. Yeah, but looking back, uh, probably would have taken on the challenge to also do biology along with uh, farming. Yeah, but the drawback in my case is, for example, I have maybe more in my study courses with chemistry and uh, biology, but I cannot drive a tractor. So if I want to construct a natural pool at home, no way. That's, <laughs> that's See? just digging with a spade. Remember, <laughs> it's a university of applied sciences. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I see. Okay. Um, now... If I look at these machines, this, uh, everything costs money. So where do you get uh, the money from for your research? Um, through hard work, writing proposals at night, at the weekends, usually because during the week we are busy with teaching and administration. And, yeah, A lot of effort we take in getting grants, writing proposals, and you usually... Um, every third or fourth of your proposals, you get some funding. And we have different funding organizations um, on, let's say, an international level. It's the European Union with different funding, such as Interreg. Um, and there are other funding organizations where we tried to apply or tried to get money. Um, on the federal level, we have the BMBF, where we get money from. Um, on the regional level, we have the Ministry of Northern Westphalia for Agriculture and um, for Science and Education, where we get money from. Uh, then we have uh, different other organizations. DBU, for example, recently applied for a grant at the Deutsche Forschungsgemeinschaft, German Research Foundation. Then we work together with different companies within these projects, but also 
along these projects with smaller grants. Um, yeah, so you have to be creative to find ways of, to finance your research. Um, and what I usually do is try to allow students to also do research already in some of the elective courses in their in the bachelor's and master's thesis, so that we also profit from that to develop some methods further to maybe target a question which we are interested in um, through a bachelor thesis or master thesis to then move on from there and have some data which we can, can use to write a proposal. Yeah, Florian, I would say that's it. I know now everything about soil science. Uh, I doubt that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, uh, but I know someone who knows everything about so soil science. I don't That's know a everything thing. about soil science, but um, I have a lot, yeah. a fair so. bit of knowledge. But of course, there are other experts out there who know much better about the different fields. But we have, I think, quite a good group here, um, knowledgeable group of soil scientists in my work group and um, beyond. Yeah, so I would say the group is very perfect. Not the best lab coats, as, as I've seen, they're also broken here. So maybe um, you could ask your president whether you can get a new one. But nevertheless, thank you very much. It was a pleasure, Florian. Yeah, always a pleasure. I enjoyed it and um, looking forward to the outcome of this profscast. <laughs> okay. And I will definitely follow it and like it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thumbs up. So that's the word for, for the viewers. So again, uh, also for the viewers, thank you a lot. Um, the... Long version, as always, will be on Spotify and uh, iTunes or whatsoever. So as the, the complete version, the shortened version is on YouTube. Uh, I hope that I see or hear you again uh, for the next Profscast. And uh, I wish you all a nice day. Bye-bye.